Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a uh, another episode of what is now the Trade Informer podcast. Previously, it was the CFD's weekly podcast, but we have now done our uh, amazing rebrand, which you can see on the website. And we are it's also like a festive podcast because we're recording this just before Christmas, uh, at least the uh, Western Church Christmas. I'm not sure if if Cypriots do the uh, like Russian thing on the sixth of January. Um, but my guess anyway is Hariton Christu, whose name I probably uh, just butchered, uh, who is the, the founder of Boltzmann Research, but I think many people will be familiar with him because uh, he was at Tickmill for it was quite a long time, right? It was like eight eight years yeah. or something? Uh, uh, it was, I think, six, seven years, actually. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hi, David. Nice so, to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you as well. So, um, I mean, maybe to get started, can you talk a bit about what you did at Tickmill? Because you were sort of a, you were a quant, right? And I think you were working yeah. on the on the dealing desk and so on. And um, I think, can you, I mean, can you explain, like, from my point of view, right, I think a lot of uh, or what I see is it's like people who are on a dealing desk tend to either be someone who is like played chess when they were three years old and then did like a PhD in physics or something. Or there's some guy from like Essex. <laughs> he left school when he was like 16 and uh, is more, seems to do more, you know, he's more techni- uh, and less epistemy, and maybe the other person is more epistemy and less techni, to use the Greek phrase. <laughs> is, yeah. that, is that a fair description? Like, yeah, what, what, yeah. What, did, what, were you, what did you actually do at Tecmo? So, yeah, I mean, we, we were fortunate that, uh, you know, Tecmo was one of the first brokers that uh, they introduced actually quants uh, within their, um, uh, their team. So uh, what, what we were doing there was actually to, to manage uh, the risk of the company. So Tecmo had, like, you know, us most of the brokers, quite a lot of exposure. So we were actually uh, creating uh, uh, AI and machine learning models, like, you know, from day one. So, uh, I mean, we see today that, you know, there is all this boom with chat GPT and the large language models. Uh, but uh, at Tickmill, we were using uh, machine learning in production, actually, like since 2017. And what we were doing uh, there was actually to, to manage the risk of the company within a really, really optimum uh, way and to ensure that, you know, the clients uh, uh, have the, the best execution, the best price. But at the same time, the, the company is actually um, quite safe in this, you know, uh, environment. Yeah. So, I mean, so from from an outsider's point of view, and I have seen a sort of almost like a demo of a, of a dealing desk at one bro- at one uh, company. And when I meet people who are working on a dealing desk, I often joke that basically their job is like they have some kind of automated system and it shows their exposure. And when their exposure hits a point, at some point, they just like go and press a button that says yeah. hedge on it. And uh, then that, <laughs> and that's it. But I would imagine that you you're, you said you're doing slightly more complicated things than that. Um, yeah. So like, what does that can you can you give some I mean, some examples of, of what sort of like what that entails? I mean, how beyond just that sort of very basic model, which is kind of like the existed since day one in this industry, right? Um, what sort of things can a quant actually add that perhaps a lot of brokers are probably lacking even today, right? Because I think a lot of people yeah. are, don't really have very sophisticated dealing teams. Yeah, so uh, most of the brokers uh, today, uh, they, they actually manage their risk uh, if, if, if the exposure goes above a certain level. 
and based on their equity and you know on, on whatever metrics they, they tend to use they, they start hedging uh, however that that's not actually optimum not for the broker not actually even for, for the clients uh, at the end of the day most of the broker if not all what they do is that they, they actually aggregate the, the pricing from various liquidity providers and then they stream that but even in that actually it, it reflects the risk and the view of the of, of, of the liquidity provider at that point of time uh, in the market. So uh, what we were doing actually was that um, uh, we actually managed uh, through algorithms the risk, meaning that, you know, for example, we might see that uh, we had a view of, uh, of, 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 of the market, we had a view of the client, and based on various parameters, uh, we were deciding actually if we should hedge or not. And uh, but that didn't stop there. Actually, we we uh, we, we were uh, we were actually um, managing the risk through the pricing that we were streaming. So the system was quite complex um, and helping uh, you know the 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 company viewing uh, was running actually the system twenty four five even twenty four seven. I mean when we're there are actually cryptos during the weekends and it was managing the risk automatically. Wow. Um, so, I mean, on that point, like one of the things I've always wondered or, or kind of thought, right, coming when I started doing the website or the newsletter, whatever you want to call it, was like the vast majority of customers, and I still probably think this is true, are basically like punters, you know, probably just like, it's almost almost like they're treating it like gambling, like whatever, I think price of Tesla is going to go up, so I'm going to leverage up and like, you know, if it works, it, it works, if it doesn't, and whatever. Um, but that clearly today there are actually quite a lot of sophisticated people who who do trade with whatever different brokers, whether that's like Tickmill or someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, from your point of view, when you're in a in a dealing desk, is that is that like a noticeable trend? Would you say that got imp- people improved over time, or the standard kind of just yeah. stayed the same? Uh, and then yeah. when that happens, how how does that then affect your job? Right, like is there a better is there one or is there a sort of simple way to deal with people who would know what they're doing? No, or is it... no I mean, I mean, people within the FX and CFD industry, they would say literally everyone that traders have been extremely actually smart the last, I think, like five, seven years. And people see that, you know, they actually, uh, uh, traders uh, invest in their technology, uh, they expand their knowledge, etc. And um, I don't see that there is, you know, these old school traders that there is gambling. Uh, people uh, tend to be investing. And this makes actually the job of, of brokers, uh, uh, you know, t- tough actually. And they have to adapt in this, in this environment to actually manage their risk uh, automatically. And, you know, um, the models actually, they cannot be trained just once and, you know, go into production. They have to learn and be updated. Um, of course, uh, we cannot uh, uh, <laughs> disclose how often the models they are being uh, retrained, but uh, that, that's uh, that's something that you know everyone ha- should have in mind that you know uh, traders are become extremely smart. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's move on. And uh, as we said at the beginning, you've just founded, or like comparatively recently, I founded a new company which is called Boltzmann Research. Um, mm-hmm. who, which I assume is like, a, as a physicist or something, I think. Yeah. Austrian, yeah. Um, Austrian guy. Um, true. 
So um, what what is that? What do you do and um, how's it gone yeah. so far? Yeah, sure. So uh, what what we're try- trying to do actually at Boltzmann, which is actually uh, our loved uh, physicist uh, and, you know, um, what we do is that actually we have two business lines and one is like the buy side where we trade systematically our, um, uh, and investing uh, our money into various like uh, products, commodities, uh, uh, stocks, FX, pretty much everything. And we're actually the other business line is actually trying to do and trying to uh, bridge this gap between the brokers, the dealing desk and the uh, the quants. So what we do is that we offer to to retail FX brokers uh, the uh, the ability to manage their risk. So um, uh, we we know that there are not quite a lot of uh, you know uh, companies out there that they manage the risk. So uh, we do actually take ownership of of, of of these complex tasks actually with our uh, machine learning models and AI. So you could imagine that there is like ChatGPT in terms of how you manage the risk, and that's what we we do actually, and we offer it to to clients and to to retail FX brokers that you know we manage the risk. We we give actually suggestion, and that doesn't goes like uh, from from it, it it's actually 360 uh, 360 degrees uh, coverage of the risk management from like traditional um, visualization tools to the most advanced ai machine learning tools where you know we have access to a huge amount of data here at Boltzmann research uh, we have our own uh, supercomputer where we train our models and actually uh, we, 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 we pass them to our clients so they, they, they could sleep <laughs> quite nice and they know that there is, uh, is managed in a proper uh, way. And this is benefit for them as, you know, is, 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 we see that, you know, traders become quite uh, smart. Nice. Okay. So on the first part of the business, uh, this is something I've always found kind of interesting. So if you look at someone... Like, I think the word trader in a lot of cases is almost like a misconception because a lot of people who are traders at, say, a bank or whatever it is, are, are a lot of the time either market makers or they're someone who is like, or they're more like a broker, right? In the sense that if you're on an FX desk and Shell is like, oh, we need to convert all of these dollars that we got for our oil into... Uh, pounds to pay dividends to shareholders like it's not really the same as someone who is who is basically trying to take a view on the market um and then and make money from it um but clearly you're right you you've gone from a sort of dealing desk role to almost it sounds almost like a cta like kind of like that kind of yeah yeah um and uh so i mean how how uh, given you're doing that right i presume there's some level of knowledge that you got from be- from working at Tickmill that then translates into you doing well in that role as well. But I'm, I mean, it seems like quite a different thing, right? Like if I'm taking on loads of orders from retail, it's it's, it's more like managing risk, right? Rather yeah, than being exactly. like, I, I think uh, oil is going to go up by X amount, so I'm going to buy this future. So like, but do this, what kind of skills do you get from the dealing desk role that then you've sort uh, of enabled? Y- 
Yeah, actually, it's actually we're we're combining actually the buy side and the sell side actually here. So the first part, as you said, is a buy side where you know you got the exposure into the sell side and you do you know you understand everything about the sell side, how, how liquidity providers are are behaving. Uh, but also, uh, I mean, in terms of the markets and in terms of the liquidity, and then you go into the more scientific approach where, you know, you have uh, exposure to r- really, really complex systems uh, where they use AI and, you know, uh, big firms, they use it. Um, we actually create our own, you know, um, uh, machine learning models where they help us forecast the market and then we trade that forecast. So that's more or less how we work. Uh, we have, as I said before, access to a huge amount of data, tens of terabytes. Uh, they're uh, being analyzed by our models, which they are developed. They are custom. Actually, we we cannot use any you know any model that you know exists out of the shop. And then with all this experience that we got from the from the market making and from, from the sell side, we applied on the buy side. But at the same time, we 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 keep actually covering the. Um, uh, the the FX EFD brokers on the other side of the of the business. Okay, so it's almost like a, is it kind of like an XTX style uh, thing? Yeah, mini even X, though mini XTX. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one day. You, you could, yeah, uh, we we do hope uh, we we do appreciate uh, XTX a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm, can, do you know how that is? So I've heard that what they the way they make sense money is it's like raw computer power. Uh, I'm not an, I'm not like a tech person at all, so I have no inkling yeah. of how this stuff works. But my my sense is it's just basically like arbing different prices on exchanges because he like Gurko seems to hate anything that is not exchange traded, and I'm like, is that actually for ethical reasons? You know, like he's, is he he says for transparency reasons, or is it because like if stuff is on exchange, he is able to. Uh, win more than other people because he's just spent so much money on NVIDIA chips or whatever. Um, well, I don't know that, but I, what, what I do know is that they, uh, at XCX, they have one of the biggest supercomputers in the world, I think, in terms of GPUs, number two or number three, uh, which actually gives to the researchers uh, the ability to you know to test their ideas, uh, which w- is pretty much similar to what we try to do here, you know, access to hire the best talents out there, um, most of us, if not all, actually have a PhD uh, and have access to a huge amount of data and to, to computers that they help you, you know, train your machine learning models. Yeah. So when you say that, right, like this is a thing, What, what my best friend is actually a, a data scientist guy and uh, mm-hmm. some of the, I guess there's two components to my question. So one is that he is the kind of guy where it's like he is very, I would say, scientifically minded. And it's almost like he can't deal with the fact that sometimes the world and its complexity differs from whatever <laughs> he's been able to glean from the yeah. data set he's look, looking at. And so from speaking to him and also other people, um, like I spoke recently to someone who was a, a ESG, which that's probably a whole other topic, but ESG data analyst, right? And uh, I'm like... You were talking about how you would capture certain pieces of information, and then you, yeah. you, know, you put it into whatever some spreadsheet, and then you figure out what is how much carbon you're emitting. And I'm like, 
how, like it's almost like how would you do that right like in practical terms how can you actually yeah. capture that information and so yeah I'm... i guess my, my my question here right is like sometimes when i hear people speaking about sort of like big data and machine all this kind of thing it, i I'm, i wonder i just go i'm can be a bit skeptical right i'm like how much uh actionable insight can you actually get from that stuff and is there not this risk that you um you know you end up mm-hmm with this thing that works very well as a simulation or, or sort of backtesting. Uh, and then when it comes to reality, it's like, oh, no, uh, there was one thing that changed. And so the whole model fell apart. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a quite nice uh, question, actually. So uh, throughout the years, I mean, what we find is that it's extremely difficult, actually, to uh to find out what works and what doesn't. I mean, even in terms of data. So, for example, let's, let's take uh, Starbucks and you know um, one way to do it is that uh, how many people they have visited uh, Starbucks today uh, how many actually uh, are in the parking lot I mean in, in the US how much money they've spent and you know uh, data provider A with data provider B uh, they have different data so you have to spend quite a lot of time there to, to evaluate them but also, actually, then that's the first part. Then the second is actually, okay, how, how you come and you combine all this data, which, I mean, in some cases, they could be huge. So if you don't have, even if you have the data, if you don't have the computational capacity to analyze them, then you actually cannot do it. And then the third part is, okay, uh, we can analyze them, we can combine them, then, okay, what if there is a latency of, 500 milliseconds in terms of, uh, you know, delivering the data, will my model actually uh, collapse? So that's, that's one of the tests that we do. Okay, let, let's let's go bug and test, like, for XYZ reason, there is a network issue and you, you get 500 milliseconds delay. Well, I mean, what, what, what does a bug, bug test say? So that's, that's more or less what we do. And, you know, you have, our role is to, uh, to be consistent and not try to be biased and you know say our models are the best but you know always criticize them and try to find what could go wrong yeah no for sure um so i guess on a somewhat related note and i don't know if you can actually talk about this given this you don't want to give away the secret source which, which seems to be the thing that happens but like can you give any kind of examples of say either either in what you're doing now at boltzmann or uh when you're at tickmill of sort of uh, I don't know, like maybe something counterintuitive or or some kind of thing that you uh, previously mm-hmm. that was not happening. Um, and I think particularly if it's something where you look at it and you go, okay, we we on the basis of research we did, we found out that if we did, I don't know, like X, and that helped reduce our execution costs by a certain amount, um, and that previously that just wasn't happening, and like probably most brokers are just not sophisticated enough to to be in that position i mean is that the kind of thing that would happen yeah or... yeah that, that's it more or less i mean due to confidentiality reason we cannot you know expose uh, how, how we could actually help brokers manage their risk but actually you know uh, having your own let's say start by having your own custom uh, machine learning models it, it means that nobody else has house and, and you know it gives you an edge in, in terms of a broker uh, then uh, what we did actually, for example, you could classify uh, a user if, for example, is doing arbitrage. So, for example, if you have, um, if you're covering 360 the liquidity providers and you know all the brokers, 
uh, you could identify if David actually is is someone that you know has won because he has talent. Uh, if he he was lucky, if he was doing some uh, you know arbitrage, or if he was doing some uh, illegal activities, uh, we were also actually able you know to find out if someone is actually manipulating the market uh, from the futures side actually, and and that was done actually uh, real time, and you know all these models. Uh, help you and imagine that there is a huge brain where you actually classify the user and then on top of that you actually try to minimize your risk through the pricing i mean i i could i, I wish i could actually but uh, in certain cases actually what we've seen uh, with our models was that you know the accuracy is being you know extremely high in terms of uh, predictability and that's actually what 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 the, the industry needs actually, you know, it needs the quants. And if you see the trend, actually, it's actually that brokers, I mean, retail FX brokers, they will need actually in the next five to 10 years to have quants either internally or externally. The, the, the issue here is that it's not easy to hire quants because they're quite expensive. And, you know, you have to compete with XTX, JP Morgan, uh, and which they are giants. And that's where we actually come as Boltzmann Reserve and say that's, that's normal. And that's where we are, uh, you know, to, uh, to help brokers navigate the risk. And uh, in, in a certain extent, uh, you know, we, uh, the model that we use is that we actually get paid on whatever extra we actually um, uh, help them or broker make. So, for example, there is no, you know, this kind of fees or whatever, because, you know, we're a pretty scientific-oriented firm, and uh, that's that's uh, what we see. But, yeah, I, I do see that it's quite a challenging environment in the next five to ten years. Yeah, so that, that was actually another question I was going to ask, right, which is on the, on the broker side, um, like you said, right, if you're, if you're, trying to hire someone who's in a role like yours right it's really hard because someone you know xcx can go okay you know you can you can join i don't know xm and i don't um you know maybe they would give you a good salary i don't know or you can join xcx where it's i think they made like five million pounds profit per employee which is like insane right i think that's better than almost any i mean that must be one of yeah. the best highest ratios in the world I, I think I think it is actually because it's uh, it's more than Google and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So so on the on the broker side, right? Like it's very difficult to hire these people. But then on the trader side, um, I, I I suppose there's like two components. One is that so I have I have actually seen people sort of doing breakdowns of their trades at retail brokers, uh, where where based on you know this is on like forums and stuff like that but based on the, what they're saying right it's pretty clever uh, sorry it's pretty clear like these are very smart people one yeah. one trade that i saw laid out was from a uh, it was a pre it was actually a premium client at cmc and the guy said that him and it was a it was like a, a professional account that he was managing with one of his colleagues and they were both at goldman sachs and they basically obbed them on some kind of oil um I think it was like an oil futures contract where yeah there it was it was like due to you know there was some kind of differential between swaps and and 
how they CMC fucked up the contract and they made it wasn't a crazy amount of money but it was like you know for, in the retail burger place it was quite a lot of money uh yeah and then the other the other and this is something i don't really know but like my sense is that the access to tools that help you do these kinds of things is also improving right so yeah. Like even even on a really basic level, there's websites now where you can go and look at like swap differentials and literally just plug in the trade. So it'll be like, yeah. okay, if this broker has uh, swaps on. You know, if you wanted to do like a carry trade, yeah, here's here is the thing you can do. Like even which is obviously not the most sophisticated thing in the world, but like so it feels so. Like I, I suppose my question is like, is that actually a a phenomenon where? Brokers are going to find it tougher because, yeah, basically, like yeah. The, the, their ability to hire people is is probably not really going to change. And definitely on the smaller scale companies, it's like there's just no no fucking way that they can hire <laughs> they can hire someone who is you know like a, a PhD quant. Um, it's probably only really the big the big guys that can do that. But then at the same time, you have more sophisticated people, and also the tools they have at their disposal seem to be improving is that i mean is that actually a phenomenon that you see is that fair yeah yeah i mean that, that's it uh, more or less the case actually so you will see actually huge firms uh in the retail fx brokers that they they try to build their their own cons team which i mean again is, is really really hard because you have to compete with xtx so if you, the, the pool with with the whole world is is really really niche actually in terms of quants so it's like and from that one from the really this really really small piece of the world uh the big fishes they will come and get the big players and then once you you end up you have to train them and then actually uh they, they have to learn and you know apply their models uh and the, the smaller actually firms what we see is that uh the, but even the big actually firms they, they might see okay it doesn't make any any sense actually to have quants inside and then you know i go to a company like Boltzmann research or you know any any other one that is is, is out there uh and they are actually helping me to manage uh the risk because the competition is is, is huge and what we see is that the traders actually they, they have the tools i mean like it's not like five or ten years ago where they didn't have access to pricing or news or anything now they have uh, access to all of these things and they can create a strategy that you know they, they're profitable and at the end of the day that the broker has to manage the reserves yeah for sure so i mean but just internally and say like the past so something i find interesting right the past year i think chat gpt came out like a year ago i can't remember i think it was like yeah, like november, yeah, yeah. november yeah. or november January. 2020 yeah november and um within about six months you had all these people who were like oh i'm an ai company i'm like there's no way you can build something in six months uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so to do that. Uh, <laughs> but then a lot of, uh, to be fair, right, a, a lot of the stuff now that you're seeing uh, and people are kind of going, wow, this thing is amazing. You know, like I think of, say, auto something as simple as, say, or simple, something like an auto transcript tool. And like that existed for, set, you know, mm-hmm. like at least five, six, seven years, if not longer. Um but is it so? Do you, has there actually been any kind of material improvement in terms of what is available to to the average person? So if I think there's you know, there's a company called um, Capitalize, I want to say they're called, and so you can just put, you can go okay, I want to do yeah. 
tra- this it's almost like gpt but with a trading strategy right like i want the code yeah. to do xyz um is that is that has has that become a noticeable thing would you say or is that not really changed and it's just a bunch I, of hype from the past year yeah i mean in a certain part of the, of the machine learning for sure there there is some improvement but for people like us where we actually work with the hardcore of the of, of the machine learning uh, the improvement has been done in the last actually five years so because i said before we we use from you know 2018 machine learning tools and we have this knowledge we've seen that yeah i mean chat gpt uh, indeed is and was a phenomenon uh, but it's, it's more on the language side, but in terms of the trading side and, you know, how you forecast the market is, 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 is quite, you know, tough because what I have, it means that I cannot, you know, David has it and, you know, all this kind of stuff that, you know, you write to, um, to a chatbot, you know, creating a strategy with X, Y, Z parameters might work today, but, you know, you have to um, uh, take into account the, the back test and, you know, the sensitivity and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, uh, on the, in the last, I don't know, let's say one year, we've seen tens of AI companies uh, that create from anything you can imagine. <laughs> um, but, I mean, in, in this space that, uh, you know, brokers are operating, there are very, very few, actually, that they are. And this... It means that it, 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 there, there is actually a business case, you know, where uh, truly leaders in the AI and machine learning can help and navigate, uh, you know, through, through this storm. Like, uh, from what I know, 2023 was a tough year for brokers. Yeah. And, you know, you definitely need someone to, to help you. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, on that point, um, one of the things I always wonder, right, is... If you look at say, so I think IG, from what I understand, has a fairly like simple but func- very functional uh, uh, dealing system, right? Like it's very, it's literally. I think it really is almost like the, maybe they're listening and gonna gonna yell at me, but like it, it is almost just like the press the button thing. Like yeah. the flow comes in, they do it right, but it works really well. Um, and I think the problem you see for maybe smaller players is like this is a super competitive industry. And they go, okay, well, I need to compete on price, not in terms of the price I'm giving to the customer, but the price I'm giving to like my marketing partner. And in order to pay my whatever IB or affiliate, I need to make revenue of this amount. And I I can only do that, I, or I believe I can only do that if I just internalize everything. And then obviously you're risking. So there was like, there's definitely been a couple of players who uh, shall remain <laughs> nameless who did that in this this year. And on gold, just got absolutely wrecked, right? So because they were just like, okay, well, let's book everything. It's going to be absolutely fine, and then we can keep paying out higher rates to our partners. Um, so from from the point of view of someone who's worked on this stuff, right? I think that there may be some skepticism from someone who is like that, where they're going, okay, well, you know, what you're doing sounds very interesting and sophisticated and all that stuff. From my point of view, is it's almost just like, well, I, I just have to book everything. I have to internalize everything because if I don't do that, then the whole model of my business doesn't make sense. Um, so do you, I suppose my question here is like, do you think that running the sort of more risk averse or like sophisticated model where you're hedging out stuff and, and so on um, is viable for someone who is 
I guess, is it like accretive to returns, you know, to use a very yeah. asset management-y phrase? <laughs> uh, or yeah. do, you think, do you think it's just not a viable option for some people? No, no, I think, I think the, the, um, uh, the future here is actually uh, how to manage your flow. Like, you know, you, you cannot actually internalize everything. Even if your, your business model initially says that, uh, you, you, there are certain periods of time, I mean, within the day, within the year, within the month, where for, for XYZ clients, for XYZ trades, uh, they should not be internalized because, for example, if, if they if they view or so, for example, let's take gold. If if I believe that whatever model I have, which let's let's assume that has fifty one percent accuracy, uh, and I am a broker, I'm not using any sophisticated tools. Uh, I believe that gold is going to go up. Then, if if the client also believes that, then you know we have we have an issue actually. So. Uh, but when you actually systematize everything and, you know, you, you manage the flow through algorithms like 24-7, then, you know, you you can actually, you, you can know that, you know, okay, the year starts, it's January 2024, I have a plug-and-play AI system that manages my risk and in principle, uh, I I don't even care actually if there's going to be a volatility, if not, because I know how much money I will make how much risk I will have and more or less where the year will end. And then I adapt and I would say, okay, I can give to my IBs this amount. I can give to my marketing X amount and, you know, salaries, etc. And you know, more or less what will be your profitability. So you can sort of see that in real time. Yeah. But actually in principle, if, uh, if brokers, you know, they, they, they will tell us, okay, I have, I don't know, let's say 150 or 500 uh, billion dollars uh, in terms of trading volume per month. And that's more or less what we expect because, you know, it's it's more or less the same. I mean, uh, if, if you take, I don't know, the big players, they know more or less what will be their, their, uh, their trading volume. Then uh, we could actually tell them how much uh, it, it will end up the years in terms of profitability, in terms of risk. And uh, in, in some cases, we could actually advise how much they could give to, to IBs. Presumably, the profitability of your of the volume is not dependent on the notional value, but on the, the amount of margin that's being put down, right? So a broker that has, let's say, 100, let's say you're doing a, a trillion dollars in flow, right? But if the if if your clients are paying, if you're offering one to a thousand leverage, versus let's say you're in the UK, you can't do that, right? And you have yeah. half that amount of uh, volume, but the, the amount of margin being put down is whatever, like th- 50 times higher or something, which it literally could be, right? In this sense, it might even be yeah. more than that. Uh, presumably the, the flow of someone who is getting more margin is better, even if the notional size is smaller. Is that true? Is that an accurate description or is that not true? <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, it depends on, I think, on, on the business model, like, and where you, you want to see your business and where you want actually your flow. So from my experience, I see that people that they offer high leverage, uh, I mean, thousand word limited, uh, they actually uh, tend to take more risk, actually, and they have to live with that. And uh, people or actual companies that they actually offer uh, one to 30, like, you know, in the UK and uh, they, they tend to make maybe less money, but the risk that they hold is quite less. That's more or less what we see. Uh, however, it depends on the case. I mean, case from case, 
there is differ- differentiation and we see that you know there there uh, there there are companies that our model is 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 quite actually applicable if they have huge notional volume in terms of trading uh, and then we see that uh, there is a notable improvement if there is you know this 1 to 30 uh, leverage but in all cases uh, there is a differentiation yeah Cool. Well, I've taken quite a lot of your time, but maybe, maybe to finish off, I mean, um, from from the time that you've been, you've, since you've set up the company, it wasn't that long ago, right? Like it was a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, two, two years ago. Oh, okay. So it was, oh, so it was ages ago, but you only, but you, uh, you know, you only kind of announced this like quite recently. Or yeah, am I completely yeah, wrong? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, we, we've announced it like in, in uh, it, it was I, I, uh, in October. So that's that's it more or less and then you know until you set up a company you need some time yeah yeah for sure um but so in the time that you've been doing it on the on the brokerage side are there any sort of common mistakes or simple things on the dealing desk and and risk side that you see brokers doing which are like quick wins if you if you're able to say i mean in terms of just improving what they do yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there are various things actually. For example, uh, one one thing that uh, people or brokers actually tend to think is that everyone loses, which that's not the case actually. So there are <laughs> some 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 really smart guys out there. Uh, another thing is that you know the 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 more the leverage, the better. Which also it doesn't um, you know it's it's not always the case. And another thing is that um, some brokers, they, they might uh, be missing that uh, the, the environment of the traders is changing and the traders are becoming uh, quite smart. And uh, the, the, the days, I think, uh, that, you know, the flow has been managed uh, through, I don't know, through button and having like, I don't know, eight, uh, ten screens in front of you. Uh, it, it's not uh, going to be like in the next five years. So uh, I don't think that these are actually where the brokers, they, uh, they will uh, end up. But yeah, if I had to give uh, an advice, it would be that uh, you shouldn't think that everyone loses. Okay, that's a good a good way on which to, on which to finish. So cool, yeah. thanks very much for doing this. And um, you know, uh, if you're interested thanks. in working with Boltzmann, reach out to Hadoton. Yeah, uh, we, we hope that uh, in January 2024, we will um, um, have a major announcement in terms of our products. And we hope that uh, we, we see uh, people coming, uh, working with us. Cool. I'm sure they will, especially after listening to this. So cheers yeah. and uh, happy Christmas and, uh, and happy New Year as well. Happy New Year to everyone. Cool. Thanks, man.